Well, good morning, Hertford Street. Uh, today is a couple of firsts for me. Um, first time as a guest speaker, uh, first time here at Hertford Street. Uh, and believe it or not, it's my first time presenting this message in front of people because last time uh, was a snap lockdown and I ended up having to film it on a Sunday afternoon. So uh, just praying for a bit of grace this morning as we get underway. Um, so before we kick off, uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you that your church is global uh, and we thank you that whether the church is here at Hertford Street or Eastside or anywhere around the world, uh, that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and glorify your name. So we just pray as we get into your word this morning, Lord, uh, that you will reveal yourself to us and you will help us to understand you uh, that bit more. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, well, who here owns a diesel Volkswagen car built between 2009 and 2015? I'm not here to announce that you've left your lights on or that your car is missing, but as you may or may not know, you have been lied to. You see, between 2009 and 2015, Volkswagen had been selling diesel models that were supposed to be super fuel efficient, powerful, and most importantly, great for the environment. Volkswagen was selling what they called clean diesel cars. However, in 2015, a group of university students ran some tests on one of these cars to check their emissions levels. And every new car sold around the world has to declare and meet certain emission standards. However, the university students found that these Volkswagens actually produced over 30 times the emissions levels that had been claimed. They had stumbled upon one of the biggest corporate lies in modern history. Volkswagen, by using fancy computers, uh, had cheated these emissions tests and sold millions of vehicles under these false claims that had enticed their customers. People thought that because Volkswagen was an international company, a big corporate company that had made millions of cars and marketed their cars very well, people assumed that it was a trustworthy company. When in actual fact, Volkswagen had made false claims that had led their own customers astray. And as we track through this passage in 1 John this morning, John is warning Christians about false teachers who make false claims to try and lead them astray. He wants us to remember that we need to be careful and test everything that we hear and listen to and to not be lazy, ignorant disciples. He is telling us that as Christians, we need to always test those who teach. And in this passage, John warns us to be on our guard against false teachers. In this passage, John will show us that we need to test those who teach for three reasons. Firstly, because many false teachers have gone out into the world. Secondly, because false teachers corrupt the true gospel. And finally, because false teachers promote worldly living rather than godliness. But first, John tells us to test those who teach because many false teachers have gone out into the world. Sometimes we can be ignorant to the fact that there are many false teachers. John starts off in this passage by saying, don't believe every spirit, but instead test the spirits. And that's because the early church was being infiltrated by a group of people who were, for the most part, part of their local church. They looked like and acted like and even spoke like them, but they were not true believers. Jesus was not their true king, and John was warning the church 
false teachers in this world. So often we tend to think of evil spirits and false teachers uh, as being easily identifiable. Typically, when we think of evil spirits, we think of them as people who froth at the mouth or growl. Uh, And when we think of false teachers, we think of them as a little bit crazy and possibly even a little bit too eccentric, even for a Christian. And this would be great if this was the case, because even people we work with, even people we walk past on the street would be able to identify a false teacher. But John warns us that false teachers and evil spirits come in all shapes and sizes, and more often than not, they look like you and me. They may be sitting in church, singing the same songs, and taking communion right beside us. And the book of Matthew puts it perfectly in chapter 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Although they may look and act like Christians, they are out to deceive and to destroy us. John warns us to test the teachings that we listen to so as to stop us becoming spiritually lazy, ignorant Christians who follow anything they hear just because it was spoken in a church or by someone that we believe is a Christian. Something that I'm sure all of us have at some stage been guilty of doing. When we don't discern or test what we listen to and trust, we end up following the words of man and the spirit of evil rather than following the words of God and the spirit of truth. This message that John writes to the church is the same message that we teach kids. As kids, we're taught to never trust strangers. A Current Affair has done a story a few times where they've teed up some parents uh, to set up some cameras in their house and then go out and leave their kids at home alone. A, A stranger will then turn up to the front door, knock on the door and ask the kids if they would let them in. And all they would simply say to the kids is that, we know your parents, just to see if the kids would let them in. And several times, the stranger was led into the house despite the kids not actually knowing who this person was. But simply because they'd claimed to know their parents, the kids would let them in. It's a scary thought here for you parents, I'm sure. But here's the question that John is asking us. Who do you let into your life to teach to preach and to spiritually lead your life? Well, obviously it should be a good gospel-based teacher who loves Jesus and preaches the Bible. But is that really the case? And do you know the difference between good and bad teaching? You see, we need to be careful about who and what we listen to. It's easy for us to become spiritually lazy. Coming to church and accepting whatever is said podcasting sermons, reading books, and listening to songs that may offer us no spiritual truths and no gospel content. One of the best ways for us to avoid this spiritual laziness is to realise that there are many false teachers, which means we need to be paying attention. This means that when we walk through Kurong, we don't just grab any book off the shelf. This may sound crazy. How could a Christian bookstore not be trustworthy? Well, like John tells us, there are many false teachers. Meaning that there are books, movies and CDs in Kurong that do not teach and preach the gospel. This also means not just assuming because a sermon was delivered by a pastor or was by a Baptist church that it is gospel-based content. Just like we teach kids to practice caution with strangers, we too need to practice spiritual 
caution. If a stranger walks into church and says, follow me, or listen to me, or trust me, don't do it. John's warning here is to alert us to the fact that there are ungodly, harmful spirits that have infiltrated our churches. We need to be aware of this and looking out for these teachings because like John warns us, there are many false teachers. John doesn't just alert us to the fact that there are many false teachers. He also wants us to be aware of them and to test them because false teachers corrupt the true gospel. What they say might sound biblical but be dangerous. In verses 2 and 3, John helps us to identify their false teachings. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. These false teachers that John is writing about were going around and claiming that Jesus had not come in the flesh. They were denying the true gospel by questioning the work of Jesus the life of Jesus and Jesus' authority, which is exactly what we need to be looking out for as we look out for false teachers. They come to corrupt and to distort the truth. See, false teachers may use the name of Jesus, but if your workplace is anything like my workplace, just because someone uses the name of Jesus clearly does not mean that they are a Christian. False teachers will use Bible verses, personal testimonies and quote books by gospel teachers, but that does not mean that they are teaching the truth. Just like me making two-minute noodles doesn't make me Jamie Oliver, or like me wearing a gymnastics outfit, although it might be uh, distracting, it does not mean that I'm a gymnast. And so it is with these false teachers. They may use the name of Jesus, but that does not mean that they are teaching the truth. John is warning us to look deeper than just listening out for key words. He's giving us this clear and stern warning to test the spirits. Do they acknowledge Jesus? Not just use his name, but do they speak of and teach about the life of Jesus as the apostles did? Does their message point to and proclaim the life, the work, and the salvation that only Jesus brings? Where is the gospel in their message? The only way for us to know if something is true is for us to test it. A couple of years ago, myself and a few others were invited to go along to another church for a breakfast. A message was sent out to us with a meeting time that we would meet at the church so we could all carpool. Now, the night before at youth, my brother Andrew, who's spoken here a few times, he'd actually forgotten the time that we were meeting, so he asked me. And being his brother and knowing the actual meeting time, I told him we were meeting at 6 a.m. rather than 7 a.m. And the next morning, I arrived at the church very well rested uh, to find my brother rather annoyed. Subsequently, he actually tried to do the same thing to me this morning by telling me your service started at 9.30, so (laughs) luckily I'd already spoken to Josh during the week. But by intentionally changing just one small detail, it had a massive impact on Andrew's day. But when false teachers come and corrupt the true gospel, the consequences are deadly. If you change any detail regarding the gospel or who Jesus is, it will lead people away from the one and only true God. We need to be paying attention to what is being said. False teachers might be like 
wolves in sheep's clothing, but they also hide their messages in well-presented and persuasive teachings. As children of God, we must test and check what is being taught to us. This means we need to be reading our Bibles. Our first and best line of defense is always the reading of God's Word. Fact-checking and confirming what is being said is actually from the Bible. Read your Bible. It is the authoritative Word of God. And above all else, God's Word is what everything is to be tested by and compared to. If it does not line up with what the Bible says, it is not from God. Another thing we can do is ask our church leadership team. After chatting with Josh, he mentioned that your church leadership team here at Hertford Street carefully check the content that they suggest or bring before you on a Sunday or throughout the week. They do this to make sure what is being presented is biblical. It is from the Bible. They do this to check that it is the truth. If you have questions on what to read, I'm sure, uh, or if you're not sure about something, don't just read it anyway, but ask. Seek wisdom, read your Bible, and test the spirits. If we don't test these false teachers, we can miss the fact that they corrupt the true gospel. John's warning, John's warning us that we need to test false teachers, not just because they corrupt the gospel, but we need to test them because they also promote worldly living rather than godliness. They focus on pointing to us and not pointing to God. We read in verse 5, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. If we think about our world, it's all about getting what you desire. What our hearts want is what we really need. Our desires tell us to put ourselves on the throne and look out for number one. Second Timothy, uh, Timothy sorry, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 puts it like this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. False teachers are preaching what we want to hear. Listen to these quotes. You may think that there is a lot wrong with you, but there is a lot right with you. The greatest difficulty always comes right before the birth of a dream. If one dream dies, dream another dream. If you get knocked down, get back up and go again. Choosing to be positive and having a grateful attitude is going to determine how you're going to live your life. You may think these quotes were spoken by a celebrity or possibly a motivational speaker, but in actual fact, these words were spoken by a pastor. What is crazy is that these quotes aren't just taken out of context, but actually embody the entire message that was being taught. And this is what our world loves. You are great. You are empowered. Dream big, aim big, and change the world. My personal favourite is, no one is you, and that is your greatest power. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really good. It appeals, it, it appeals to our desire to be in control, to be better than we are. And this is why some of the biggest churches in the world are run by false teachers. People who fly around in private jets, take home eye-watering salaries and preach messages like, dream big and God will bless you. 
They preach the message of the Antichrist. It's the message of the Antichrist because it takes God off the throne and places us in his place. If we jump to Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden, we see the very false teacher in the serpent. God had left one very clear instruction for Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of knowledge. Starting in verse 1, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent replies, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Although the very first teacher would have drawn a crowd just for being a talking serpent, it was the message that was spoken right at the beginning that is still spoken today that is drawing people in. You will be like God. False teachers are crafty and persistent, but everything they promise relies on you. If you just dream bigger... If you just have more faith, if you just work harder, if you means it's all about you. Their worldly teaching is nothing more than Christian false advertising. A few years ago, myself and a few other young adults from Eastside uh, went off to another church for a night service. When it was time for the message, they announced it was some famous guest speaker. He got up and he was entertaining, he was funny and engaging. And he used Christian words and even used Bible verses. The problem was that's all it was. The main point of the message was that we are to be like a grasshopper. Not just a grasshopper, but a grasshopper. The idea was that we could reflect some great quality of a grasshopper and overcome many things. But there was no gospel. There was no truth about who Jesus is or what he has done. No mention of our sins and the cost of our sin, nor the price that Jesus paid for us. This exciting, self-empowering message was not pointing to Jesus, but it was leading people away from God. As Christians, we need to be focusing on and seeking the true gospel. This does not mean that we need to be biblical scholars. We do not need a PhD or a degree in philosophy. No, we simply need to understand and accept the true gospel, that we are all guilty of sin, and despite our sin and rebellion against God, he still loves us. So much so that out of his gracious love for us, he sent his only son Jesus to come as both fully God and fully man, to take our sins to the cross, where he died in our place, paying the price for our sin, so that whoever believes in him and places their faith in him shall not perish. Christians, listen and pay attention to what you read and what you hear. When you come to church, bring your Bible and follow through the passage. As you listen to a podcast, check to see if what they are teaching points to Jesus. Check that it lines up with what the Bible teaches. Same goes for music and books. Does the message point to Jesus or to the world? Does the message point to the idea that you can or that God can? Listen to those who teach and watch them. Do they live godly 
lives or do they live worldly lives? Do they seek to reflect Jesus? If they're driving around in a Rolls Royce, rocking a three-piece Italian suit and a Rolex, just remember that Jesus rode a donkey, was mocked and beaten and hung naked on a cross, all to pay the price for your sins and mine. As we come to a close, it's important to remember that John is not trying to divide Christians in the church. If someone makes a mistake in a sermon, John isn't calling us to stand up and scream out heresy. No, he is calling us to remain focused on God's word and to not be distracted by false teachings. We need to test those who teach because there are many false teachers out there. We need to test them because they are seeking to corrupt the true gospel. We need to test them because they are promoting worldly living rather than godliness. Christians, John gives us an encouragement in verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We have overcome these false teachers because God reveals the truth to us. God lives within you and his spirit is at work within you. Seek his kingdom first. He is greater than the one who is in the world. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to get into God's word. There are a lot of false teachers out there that are seeking to lead you astray, but God's word is trustworthy and true. There are many free Bible apps that you can download, uh, and I'm sure if you have other questions, please come and speak to someone. If someone's invited you here this morning who loves Jesus, ask them, speak to them, or come and speak to Josh or the leadership team. But don't just leave these questions or all of these things unsaid. But I encourage you to seek God, seek the truth, and get into the Bible. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for John's warning to us to look out for false teachers. We pray for all of us here this morning, Lord, that we wouldn't just follow uh, whatever words we hear. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us to test the spirits. We ask that you would help us to get into your word, to read the Bible. And not just to follow whatever we hear or think. And Lord, we just pray that as we go out this week and in the weeks to come, that we wouldn't just leave our Bibles uh, beside our bed or on the table, but that we would open them up. We could read the words inside them, Lord, and we can apply them to our lives. And that your word, the Bible, would be the absolute and only authority in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.